1: Well, I am excited about bringing you a message tonight entitled, uh, There Must Be More. Come on now. There must be more. Have you ever wondered, is there more to this Christian walk? There must be more. And over in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14, this is what 2 Corinthians 13, 14 from the New Living Translation says, May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ... Uh, You know what? I don't normally do this. Read it with me. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ... The love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. King James says communion here. Others say the relationship. I love how the New Living says the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. And there's a power that we need to learn about in our lives. We began to study this, and what I've been really trying to do is uh, last Wednesday night, You know, we, we had several weeks of people talking about their experience receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit. But last Wednesday night, we began a study, and I want to take it even deeper this week on what hinders people from receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit. What hinders people from walking in the power of the Spirit-filled life? You see, in order to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, we're going to have to dismantle our misconceptions and our inherited prejudices. There's some things that, that, that come down to us that maybe your family said. You know, I, I heard one family say one time their child came and uh, went to our youth camp and got filled with the Holy Spirit and, and they went home and, and their family was from a church that, that, that didn't believe in the, the moving of the Holy Spirit and, and they said, I'd rather my, my, my child be out uh, with the, my lost relatives than over there around that Holy Spirit stuff. And so that 12-year-old who touched by the Holy Spirit was an alcoholic by the time they were 14. You see, there are inherited situations that somebody spoke something into your life. Somebody did something into your life. I I get it. There are people who do things in the name of God sometimes that cause prejudice and build up walls. You know, my wife's not in the room tonight. I don't know if she's in class tonight or I, I, I think it's a miracle sometimes that she's even in God's house. She, as a young woman, attended the church my dad pastored where it was very similar to this in style. And, and, and Christina, uh, you know, uh, uh being a, a child of the eighties, knew what Aquanet was. How many know what I'm talking about? <laughs> she had too much hair. Yeah, I'll never forget when we started dating, I liked her, but I had a black car with a black interior, and she had a white coat that shed everywhere. I said, I like her, so her Christmas present that year was a leather jacket. Come on, amen. But, uh, um, But she would go to her relative's church, and they would stand in the pulpit, in a church of 15 and preach against fixing your hair up and wearing makeup? How dare someone stop a service to beat up a child when the gospel and the power of God wants to liberate people's lives My dad tells the story of being a young preacher just hungry for the word of God, showed up at a church service and a man jumps up and preaches about why you're going to hell if you wear a wedding ring. People inherit misconceptions and false things. Anybody ever been, anybody know what I'm talking about? All right. And because of that, people won't go to church. I heard people say that a guy with long hair, come on now. Can I just go ahead and tell you, if I had hair now, it would be long. Come on. But saying a man with long hair, the Bible says that there's a level of maturity that comes, but it says if this causes contention in any form, there's no such commandment. And because we want to get people to form into our image instead of his image, we create roadblocks that prevent people from seeing the power that God wants for them. And because of how some people acted in the name of the Holy Spirit, roadblocks have been put up. And because of these roadblocks, many believers are attempting to live a life of belief, but they don't have the power or the desire to carry out the truths of Scripture. Now, before you label that, I want you to just take a moment and let me preach a moment more. I say to you, there must be more. You see, Peter was a disciple who walked with Jesus and heard the teachings of Jesus and was doing his best to live in the teachings of Jesus. And it's even the one who declared him the son of God, the Messiah. But yet in his moment of testing, he caved. 50 days later, he is living boldly, preaching openly, The scripture tells us that he wasn't afraid of arrest, and even without fear, so to the point that when they did arrest him, they told him they're going to execute him in the morning. They condemned him to death to be executed at dawn. And the Bible says that when God sent the angel to deliver him, that he walked into the room and he had to go over and shake him and wake him up. Can I tell you, if I knew that I was going to be executed at dawn, I don't know that I would be so soundly asleep. But something had happened in Peter. I'm preaching to somebody right now. Something had happened in Peter that took the man who cursed and denied he even knew him. In 50 days, something happened. See, some of you think you've got to grow for years, but I'm going to try to tell you that something happened. The day of Pentecost happened, and he was given a power that he didn't have before because Peter, in his weakness, could not walk in the victory God had for him. But when the power of the Holy Spirit came upon his life, he had encountered the risen Savior. The power of the Holy Spirit comes upon his life. Now, he's not even worried about dawn showing up on the day of his execution. The the angel's like, would you get up? I'm trying to rescue you. Most of us are worried where God is. And if God knows where we are, I've come to tell you tonight, there is a comforter who wants to wrap himself around you so that you don't have to wonder where God is. You can know where he is and you can rest safely in his arms. So the difference, the Holy Spirit. You see, the Holy Spirit gave confidence to his faith. The Holy Spirit gave wind to move him forward into the call upon his life. But in order to get to the confidence and the the the, the that forward motion, we're going to have to dismantle the roadblocks and draw close to the Holy Spirit. Now, listen to what I'm about to say. The Holy Spirit is not optional. A relationship with the Holy Spirit is a necessity. I've heard my dad say on many occasions preaching that the ones that he's, he knows that have made it the longest and are still walking with God are those who practice a relationship with the Holy Spirit. It's important, folks. It is not optional. You can't even get saved without the Holy Spirit. The Bible says, no, Unless the Holy Spirit draws you, you can't come to salvation. It's the Holy Spirit that convicts you. He seals you. He regenerates you. He indwells you, according to the Scripture. And see, the problem is we think there's one act of the Holy Spirit that gives us something that makes us act a little strange, but the reality is you can't even start the walk without the Holy Spirit. You've got to have him all along the way. The Holy Spirit is our lifeline to the Father. The Bible says... That when we don't even know what to pray, he will give us words and pray through us in things we can't do on our own. There have been times, I'll never forget, we would had a revival going on here at the church. I laid hands on somebody right here. And as I I, I didn't even know the people. They would walked in the door, revivals happened, they stood right here. I laid hands on them, and I started just praying what the Holy Spirit was st- saying to me. And the man, next thing I know, puts a vice gripped on, on this arm. And he looks at me with as much just just vitriol as he could. And he said, he said, who told you? I said, man, I don't even know you. He said, how do you know what I've been doing? I said, I don't know what you've been doing. I just pray what the Holy Ghost is telling me to say right now. It could have been for the person next to you. I don't know. But I'm praying what the Holy Spirit wants. Why? Because it's a lifeline that connects you to know things you wouldn't know on your own. Speaking of that, that, that big-haired girl, I'll never forget. We hadn't been married long, and I was riding down nine and coming, and I, I came to, uh, how many you know where Piney Grove Road is? I know where Piney Grove Road is? Came to Piney Grove Road down in coming, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me, and he said, turn left. I said, no, I'm going, I'm going this way because it takes longer to get back to work this way. <laughs> I wanted to get there just as it was clock-out time. If I get there, they're going to send me out on another run. He said, turn left. I said, Holy Spirit, and I got that feeling. He said, turn left. I turned. and As I turned, I'm driving down through there, and I see this girl on the side of the road. I'm like, man, she's good looking. That's my wife. I was like, if that's okay to feel that way about your wife, come on, hey, man. And there was no cell phones back then. And I said, what are you doing? She said, the car just broke down. I said, thanks be to God for the Holy Spirit. Because it was 90 degrees and she had a child that she was babysitting as her job at that stage. She was standing in 90 degree weather. And God said, go that way. The Holy Spirit didn't come just so you could, 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 could cry and, and, and shout in church, folks. The Holy Spirit came to lead you into all truth. This is important. Now listen to me. He empowers us to become who God's created us to be. Well, let's just deal with some of these roadblocks for a minute. Some of the roadblocks, one is a doctrinal beliefs that are not biblical beliefs. Because of a roadblock, somebody created a doctrine. I I, I remember calling uh, one of the denominational heads when when I was in a denomination. I called them about a a doctrine that I'd been taught that I just couldn't find in the scripture. And I called and I said, we've been told that this is in the Bible. And he said, son, that's not in the Bible. We just thought it was something y'all need to live by. I said, well, I can't preach it as scripture if it's not in the word. And sometimes... People's thought processes and their own prejudices cause them to cause doctrines that, that really have no, no place being in the house of God. I'm preaching truth. Can I get an amen? amen? Watch this. Another roadblock is a belief that the Holy Spirit finished his assignment on the day of Pentecost. And they don't even understand the word. Paul said, 35 years after the day of Pentecost, I want you to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then he said these words, and I want you to pray in the Holy Ghost. I want you to to, to speak in new tongues. He said it 35 years later. And people will say what he did on the day of Pentecost. Or they'll say it this way. "Well, Well, the Holy Spirit was only for until the Bible showed up. I've heard that. The Holy Spirit's only for the Bible show, and they quote that verse that that tongue shall pass away, right? But it also says that knowledge shall pass away. Then tongue shall pass away. So, what is it saying there? Is it saying we're by all running around? Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> knowledge hasn't passed away. The Bible says in the last days knowledge would increase. He said, until that which is perfect is come. Until we see him face to face to where we don't need an advocate between us and him, we can walk into the throne room and climb up into our daddy's arms. This is a whole nother sermon. Be here Sunday morning. Bitterness, listen to what I'm about to say. Roadblock. Bitterness because some other Christian made another Christian feel inferior because they didn't behave Pentecostal. And they're turned off. They're made to feel like a second-rate Christian somehow. Can I just, let me just deal with that for a minute. First off, I had a wise professor tell me in Bible college, he said, son, where you see a lot of gifts, you'll see a little fruit. He said, people who operate in the gifts heavily can be some of the meanest people you'll ever meet. There's no joy and peace and kindness in them. He said, people who operate in the fruit will have very little of the gifts. So what we have to find is a balance. That we're not leaning toward the part that we prefer. Because there might be something that I enjoy that doesn't speak to your soul. I could bring up people in this place who worship differently. I could bring Mike onto this stage who dances the way he dances. And then I I could bring, well, I won't call you by name, but some of you who, you got no business dancing. (laughs) Come on now. They worship differently. Some of you raise your hands and shout. Some of you... Bow your heads and cry. It, I love what God told us in the beginning of this church. I am made welcome here by your praise. And we added on to that. We say, we don't care how you worship. Just do it. We're not expecting you to act like somebody else, be like somebody else, try to mimic somebody else. You become who God called you to be. And what happens is when this person worships the way God called them to worship and that person worships the way God called them to worship, a symphony, come on now, begins to happen of worship in the room and heaven opens around us and another roadblock is extreme expressions that are not even close to what the Bible describes people running around acting like the Holy Ghost has something to do with a snake in a box can I just tell you right now that is not God Not the Lord. Somebody said, how do you know? I know. <laughs> Somebody said, well, you can take up servants I said, you can take them up all you want to, but I don't go looking for them to pick them up. Paul wasn't looking in that fire for that, that viper. It just, when it came unexpectedly, it could not take him out on the assignment it was on because he was on a greater assignment. What the Bible is saying there, no poison that comes against you, no what, a viper that comes against you can take you out when you're on a greater assignment from God. So you get on assignment where God has for you. Don't go looking and go out there and go, oh, this is a sign that God loves me. No, what it is is a sign that you're tempting God. So let's throw out all those biases and see what happens. So where do we start? Here's what what you need to know. First thing is, you need to remember the Holy Spirit's God. He is God. So when someone says, don't go over to that church where the Holy Spirit is, what they're saying is avoid that church where God's moving. Now, do they have proper order? I'm gonna tell you, there are people who do things differently than we do them. Some people do all kind of crazy things in life. Some people's expressions are different. I'm not gonna spend and waste time on a sermon criticizing their expressions of worship just because they're different than my expression of worship. But I'm gonna tell you that I'm not responsible. I'll never forget one day, I was mad about what was happening in another church because quite frankly, it was, a—it was. I mean, and they even confessed to when God caused us to help them find the way to the cross uh, uh, later, but they, they, it was just blatant sin was happening in that church. And I'll never forget, I was standing in that parking lot right over there and, and I said, God, that's just not fair, it's not right. And The Holy Spirit of the Lord spoke to me and he said, shut up and worry about your own church. And in that moment, I realized I'm responsible for this church. It's not my job to judge every other church. Somebody told me not long ago, how do you feel? There's a little church up the road here that loves to preach against us. They said, how do you feel about the fact they preach against you? I said, well, I I think they're mistaken. I think they're wasting time. I said, well, if I were them, I'd preach about Jesus, can change people's souls, and things would change at their church. And they said, but they they say the reason your church has grown so much is because you don't preach Jesus. I said, you ain't been listening. I broadcast it, I televise it, I internet it, I put it all out there, telling people about the blood and about Jesus Christ. I mean, I'm telling them everything I know to tell them in every way I can. I said, what are they doing in those four walls? I can tell you what they're doing. They're wasting time talking about me, and I can't save nobody. Jesus can. Start telling people about what Jesus can do. Secondly, hold on, let me just go back to this. It's more about who's in control, man or God in the churches that cause fights when they don't want the Holy Spirit to move. Because I can tell you, he will show up. I'll never forget one day I walked in. I was this is when I used to sit over here and I was sitting right about there. And I I I had an illustrated sermon called, uh, it was going to show faith. We we're going to take a ride on, uh, on the wheel of fortune. And we we're going to see if your life's in jeopardy. Come on now. And I was going to ask people, is that your final answer? I was all excited. And I leaned back and I said, it's going to be an easy day today. Mistake number one. I said, we'll probably have five or six saved. It's going to be an easy, easy day today. And I had no longer said that. Brother so-and-so sitting right about there where the children were sitting. He jumped up, screamed, and took off running. And I went, oh, God, we're in trouble now. <laughs> six weeks later, revival ended. And hundreds had come to be touched by the power of God. Yeah. Listen to me. Something in me wanted to stop, shut that down. But something in me said, let God be in control. He's God. It's his church, not mine. The Holy Spirit. Somebody said, Pastor, you going to jump up and run? Listen, if I jump up and run, (laughs) I'm going to have a heart attack about that beam right there. Come on, amen. Probably not going to happen. The Holy Spirit. This is important. I want you to get is a person and not an it. If we don't see the Holy Spirit as someone we can relate to and get to know, then it'll be tough to be in relationship. What was that word? We had fellowship and communion with him. What's Jesus say on this matter? Jesus says in John 14:17, he said this, he is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him It doesn't recognize him. Because, but you know him because he lives with you. Now and later will be in you. The Holy Spirit, when you come to know him, it's not some spooky. Listen, let's leave ghosts uh, uh, to the to the to the realm of darkness. They belong. It's not spooky. It. He is God. And he has, the Bible tells us, a personship that can be grieved. He can be offended in that. You, you, can, you, can, you can reject his words. This is important. The Holy Spirit is not weird. I shouldn't have to say that, but it's true. People are weird. <laughs> some of you volunteer. That's me. That's me. You're all weird. Everybody has some idiosyncrasy in their home. I'm like, come over to visit somebody. I'm like, I see some strange things. <laughs> thing: I was standing at the altar one day and this one person came up to me and said, <laughs> my dog's a Christian. I said, excuse me? They said, my dog's saved. I need to hear you say, my dog's saved, bastard." I said, okay. <laughs> I said, why is your dog saved? They said, because I taught it to pray over his food every time it eats. <laughs> I was like, Ooh, Jason, <laughs> move this person on out of the room. All right, here we go. God's good. Somebody said, my dog ain't sick. God bless all your little dogs. But anyway, let's go on. People distort things. That's what I'm about to say. And people try to use the spirit to justify wrong behaviors. Let me just meddle for a moment. God told me to break up with you. So you can date the person that's their friend? That's not God. Not at all. (laughs) Can I just meddle a little longer? I felt led to stay home from church today, Pastor. You did? (laughs) I literally showed up at church one day and a pastor said, come here before you preach. I said, well, sure, what do you need? And I thought he was going to tell me something. Don't say this in our church. And he hands me this. Piece of metal this big, and I was like, "He says, you know what that is?" I said, "What?" He said, "Lead." He says, "If anybody comes to me and says they feel lead," I said, "Hold on, here's some for you to feel." <laughs> Come on, I felt lead. To criticize this other church to you. No, you should. You sure did not. If you were led, it was the wrong spirit. It was your spirit. The Holy Spirit doesn't tell a woman not to wear makeup or another woman to wear too much. He won't make you line dance in church. And he will not make you laugh like crazy at the pastor's jokes. It helps if you laugh at the pastor jokes, but he won't make you. That's not the way he functions. Several years ago, what I'm referring to, there was a laughing movement that went through the church. And I'll never forget a lady who had won over 100,000 people to the Lord. Uh, she looked at me and she said, don't you pay any attention to this silliness. She said, I was around in the uh, 30s and 40s when that came through the last time and it wasn't true then and it's not true now. She said, you tell them, serve Jesus. Tell them to honor God. Now, I'm not saying we don't have fun sometimes, and I'm not saying we don't get overcome with joy. I'm not saying we don't get excited exuberant. I never forgot, I got so excited one day, I was like jumping up and down and shouting and dancing, and this one little lady jumps up and runs out of the church, and I thought, Lord, I have scared her to death. Next thing I knew, her husband was a parking lot attendant. He came walking, walking in the back door and just squared up kind of back there where Patrick is right about now. He's like, afterwards, I said, did I scare you? She said, oh, no, no, no. I just tried to go tell my husband. I thought you finally got the Holy Ghost. Come on man, Amen. <laughs> I said, I can't even get excited. Listen to me. Because of people's weird responses, the reason they do that is they want to be included. But because of that, now listen, sometimes, I mean, Aniston, she worships on this stage like crazy. We thank you for doing that. That's passionately pursuing the presence of God. But she's not up here doing cartwheels, drawing attention to herself. She's pushing us toward heaven. This is important. I tell Pastor Darren every time he throws that head back like that, I'm in trouble right there because I feel God. Listen to me. But because people want to be included, they'll manifest at some kind of exuberant, outward emotional experience that causes other people to become afraid of God. And God's wanting to be their lifeline. And they're afraid just because they don't jump, shout, dance, Push toward heaven that somehow the God doesn't love them enough. I'm preaching where we live. God called some of you to question things. God called some of you to fuel excitement. God called some of you to not be as distracted at those moments so you can see the hurting person who's sitting three seats over. We need God, not a church style. Do I want every one of you to be baptized in the Holy Spirit? Yes, I want you to freak all of your relatives out when they realize you're not who you used to be, not because you're at Thanksgiving standing on the table shouting in tongues, but because the next time somebody pushes your buttons, you're going, well, praise God. Come on. You go see your brother-in-law and you leave happy. Come on now. Amen. See, God's throwing you a line to pull you safely toward him. But roadblocks are hindering us. You see, our enemy knows that if we embrace the Holy Spirit and access his power, we will experience, this one what I'm about to say, personal and then corporate revival, healing, and reconciliation. The Holy Spirit will not move in an unclean vessel. You will get well. Let me just say this. The Holy Spirit is our best friend. He's our best friend. Let me get back to our text really quickly. May, listen to me, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit Spirit be with you all. I want to say something I want in every... One to listen to what I'm about to say. I want you to notice this passage. Every true move of God starts with Jesus. It's all about people meeting Jesus. It is all about people encountering the grace of God. Because when it starts with Jesus, what do they learn? God loves them. When they learn that God loves them because they met the grace of Jesus, then they want to get to know the Holy Spirit more because he will help them live in the grace and learn more of the love. But when we try to get people to skip that step and get them to act the way we act in a service, to be a certain kind of Christian, what happens is they end out, end up out of order, and what we have is somebody shouting and screaming over here during a service, and then when they go out that door, they're not sure if they're even serving God, and they're not sure that God loves them. But what God wants you to do is to walk through that door and realize that the only reason any of us, let me say that again, the only reason any of us get to worship is the grace of God, who has manifested and made a way so that God's love could pour out on us So that the love of God pours out on us. And when the love of God pours out on us, I want to pour out my expression of love back to him, which is empowered by the Holy Spirit in this house. Come on, amen. Amen. This is very important. You see, the friendship that he's our best friend comes with blessings. And John 14 and 16 says this. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another, a counselor, who will never leave you. The Greek word here for counselor, is you want to hear uh, many people say paraclete, but parakaleo is used here specifically in John 14 and 16, which is a, a, the word for counselor in Greek. Now parakaleo means this, the one who is called alongside to help. Or the one who carries, I love this, carries the other end of the log. Let, let, me, let me just say it again. The one who helps you carry the beam. Oh, you're still not with me there. The one who helps you daily carry your cross. The Holy Spirit didn't come so that you could feel goosebumps. The Holy Spirit came that what you can't defeat, He says, come on, I'll pick up the cross and help you carry it. You be willing to become who I want you to be and I will help you become who I want you to be. I will manifest through you and help you. Why get excited with that? God is good. The Spirit helps you. He works beside you to do what you were created to do. And what were you created to do? To be conformed into the image of Jesus Christ who was conformed, who was the image of the Father. For 27 minutes, I've been giving you all I got and you don't even have an amen right there. The Holy Spirit helps you to be who God created you to be. The word here, pericaleo or periclete, can also be translated "comforter," the one who lightens the load through encouragement. Listen to that, thinking about. John 14, 26, but when the Father sends the, the, the advocate, the counselor, the comforter as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything that I've told you. Listen to why the Holy Spirit wants to come into your life, so that he can teach you what you don't know. I'll never forget sitting in Bible college and somebody said, how do you know this? I said, because I prayed and God showed it to me. He will show you things. He'll tell you where to turn. He'll tell you how to live. He'll tell you you better watch out because sin's going to become knocking at your door today. He will warn you ahead of the game and tell you to begin to pray. Why? Because he wants to teach you what you need to know so that you'll be equipped to overcome and live in everything that God's told you to live in. I feel this in my soul. He will teach you what you need to do. Not to condemn you, but to teach you. He does this, does this in many ways. He warns us. He guides us. Listen to what I'm about to say, but he also convicts us. He reveals your true condition. Sometimes he lets you see what your real motivation is. He does this not to condemn you, but to help you see the truth so that you might be empowered to become free when you confess And then remain connected to God by embracing his forgiveness. The Holy Spirit says, we're going to deal with this. Never forget the one time and the one time where the Holy Spirit just was so, so, so blunt with me. And I, I, I said, I said these words. I said, Lord, help me with this sin. And the Holy Spirit just began to just encourage me. And then the opportunity opened for that sin to step back into my life and it was like every time I reached for that sin, the Holy Spirit, I, I don't know how to, here Anthony, hold on before you start that. Take this for just a second. Every time I reached for it, something was like it went, boop, not for you. I was like, what is the big deal? And he said, you asked me to help you. The Holy Spirit wants to help you to convict you, to protect you so that you can become who God's called you to be. Satan wants to condemn you. The Holy Spirit redirects you into something better. Stand with me as we read Jeremiah 29, 13 tonight. It says, if you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. If you look for me, you will find me. The reason that some of us have not yet experienced the Holy Spirit is because we've allowed a roadblock to prevent us from looking because we don't want to act like so-and-so. Or we don't want to let somebody down who says, no, you stay away from that. Listen to me. I have not told you one time tonight how you have to act. If I've told you how you have to act in any way, let me just tell you how you have to act. Without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. That's how you act. Now, Pastor Pete's a lot quieter than I am. That doesn't change the force of what he says. It just changes the volume. God still speaks to him. Matter of fact, a lot of times I call him and say, this is what I'm trying to hear from God. Would you be the brother who helps me? The power of the Holy Spirit is active in his life, active in my life, just because we might all manifest it differently. All I wanna encourage you through this series is stop allowing preconceived prejudices. It's like when a brand new baby Christian comes up and throws their 1611 King James Version down in front of me and I'm like screaming at the top of my lungs going, you can't even read that. Here, let me give you something closer to your vernacular. Why? didn't mean that as you grow and become a serious student that you don't need authorized versions to help you. But I'm trying to get it into your head now how to live for Christ. And what, what good is it when I go to a Haitian church that they sing everything in French and pre- the pastor preaches everything in French and the people don't speak French? It's no good. It's no good if you're trying to act like somebody else. It's no good if you're trying to manifest the way somebody else manifests the gifts of the Holy Spirit in your life. what I'm trying to tell you is God sent the Holy Spirit to teach you how to live for Him and to give you the power to be bold believers. And listen, when you take a person who has the Word and the power, they can cause revival. They can change the world. God can do great things through their lives. Now, most of the times you don't hear me say this. But I've said something tonight that that messes your theology up, your doctrine up. Good. And I'll be right down front for about 20 minutes, happy to discuss it with you for 20 minutes. After that, I'm gonna lay hands on you, come on, amen. But I'm not afraid to answer any question over anything I've said, because I know that God commissioned this sermon for tonight. Let your hands toward heaven for a moment. The Bible says an uplifted hand blesses the Lord. Lord, we lift our hands towards you. And we create a space. And we ask you to fulfill. I can hear, as it were, during the Hebrides revival when he said, Lord, you promised, Lord, you promised that if I would seek you with all my heart, that I would find you. Lord, for these who want more of your Holy Spirit, who want to know the Spirit of God as God, as the person of, who, of, of the Godhead, as, as one that has come to empower them, not to make them like someone else, but to make them to be who God created them to be, then God, we declare, we make room. Come on, somebody needs to pray there with me. We make room. Somebody says, well, I got the Holy Spirit when I was a child. You need more of him. You need more. There must be more. There must be more. I need you more and more and more. Holy Spirit, you see the weaknesses in my life that I need to overcome. Teach me how. Show me how. Equip me how. Empower me how. Lead me how. And pick up the other side of this cross and walk with us, O Lord. In the name above all names. In the mighty name of the King of glory. In the name of the soon coming Messiah. In the name of the one who looked death and hell in the grave and three days later rose again. And we all declare corporately now, his name is Jesus. Come on, say it with me again. His name is Jesus. Amen and amen. Now, come on, give God a praise like he deserves tonight. Amen. Amen.